You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Jesus said to the crowd, They will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. And they will have you laid before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand. For I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This past Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of Christ the King. And today we have another king here, Belshazzar, and then who is said to be his father, maybe an ancestor, maybe a, a predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. So we have kings, and there are kingdoms, and there's a kingdom. Because Belshazzar's kingdom, God says, it's numbered. It's dated, you know, your days are numbered. All our days are numbered, we don't know the number. <laughs> but when you say to somebody your days are numbered, it means it's over, game over, you know? And it must be an amazing moment for poor Belshazzar when he saw the writing on the wall, a famous expression. I don't know if this is also German. In English, it's a very famous expression. The writing is on the wall. It's used in many contexts, but basically to say that it's time to wake up. It's a very sobering thought. And I'm using the word intentionally sobering because these guys are drunk. Even a drunk man can sometimes talk a lot of sense, but he can't do much. And he knows how to call Daniel to interpret the words on the wall. And it says clearly, under the influence of the wine. And yet when he sees the writing on the wall, it's like a drunk guy driving a car and he's going to crush somebody against a wall or a tree and he wants to stop, but he can't. It's too late. The drunkenness brought him to this place. And the writing on the wall is a very sobering reality, a moment, a wake-up call. Get your act together. And even though Daniel can tell him what's going on, and the funny part is that the king offers Daniel, if you figure this out for me, I will give you the third position in the kingdom. After my right-hand guy who has the keys of the kingdom, like Peter got from Jesus. 
And he says, you would be the third guy. And for Belshazzar to say this is also interesting because apparently he finagled the politics of his moment to oust an earlier king and name his own father as king. And then, but his father was very old, so he was going to be the next king. So he knows all about power. I will make you third in my kingdom. But what's going to happen in his kingdom? That very night, the Medes and the Persians put an end to the Chaldean dynasty. So his whole empire falls apart. So why would Daniel want to be third in a kingdom that's going bankrupt tonight? He's going to be given the third most powerful position in a ship that's sinking. Good luck. Get out of that business. Daniel is not interested. I see this also. It speaks to me. You know, we have a vow of poverty. As a religious, in the sense, I don't own any money. In fact, I had a talk today with two atheist people, very educated people. One is a professor of philosophy. The other guy is very famous in his career. And they couldn't believe that the only thing I own is a crucifix that I got on the day of my vows in 1976. And I, my heart and efforts are not invested in material things. This is to follow money. That's interesting, my whole life. And it's a wake-up call for a lot of people to realize you can live your whole life without looking to make a salary, without looking to acquire real estate, without looking to build up a big bank account, to do investments, to buy hard, precious metals. Because it's a sinking ship. How, many, how long will these kings last? How long did Napoleon last? How long did Julius Caesar last? How long did Charl uh, Charlemagne last? How long did um, Alexander the Great last? But some of them five years, ten years, some of them two years. The guy who destroyed Jerusalem for the Persians was killed by his own son two years later, Chosroes. In the year 614, he took over here, and 616, he was dead. How long does the kingdom last? Your kingdom is numbered. So then, what we have here is beautiful. When Jesus says, don't be worried when they want to take you to court, when the kingdoms are against you. And their days are numbered also. You just stand firm because it's an opportunity to give witness. What did Jesus do on Calvary? He gave witness. Witness to eternal, infinite, merciful love. He gave us a witness we would never forget. His witness in Calvary was so strong that the crucifix and the cross becomes the universal symbol for Christianity, recognized outside of Christianity also. This is his witness stand, his moment of execution. How many witnesses do we have like this? The Korean martyrs, the Japanese martyrs, the Vietnamese martyrs, all the history of the martyrs. St. Stephen, the witness he gave on the moment of his martyrdom. You will give witness. And don't worry, you don't have to have a lawyer, you don't have to use a GPT chat to prepare your defense. Just trust the Holy Spirit will do it. Doesn't mean we don't need to study for our exams, prepare ourselves, be dedicated to our studies. But at the point of giving witness, we can be free. Because the ultimate, ultimate witness, the, the ultimate witness is given by God speaking through us.
So there's a, a great sense of already owning the kingdom while you're being persecuted, giving witness for God and using the opportunity to the maximum, investing it with the greatest dividends while you're being persecuted and killed. And that's what Jesus did. Today you will be in my kingdom. You will be with me in paradise. What a powerful gift. And we can live that gift, especially, and sometimes nowadays in some of the civilized Western countries, Christians feel that they're on the witness stand, they feel persecuted, but this is the moment to give witness. This is the best moment. Because now their witness is being seen and heard. It's amazing, I just saw the video yesterday of a woman from Africa who's brilliant, and she uh, became a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. And through a whole set of circumstances, she renounced that whole lifestyle and embraced atheism. And because of her reflections about human dignity in a secular liberal culture, she discovered that the roots of all the values of freedom, due process, respect for the human person, they're all fruits of revelation, scripture, the mystery of salvation. And now she has become a Christian. She's giving a very powerful witness, being very criticized, but she's giving witness. Let us pray that we can give witness. When people hate us, we shouldn't take it too personally. We know that we're in a kingdom that's not of this world, and our witness has extraordinary value in those circumstances, and the Lord provides it. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook. Facebook.